Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. The U.S. Federal Reserve is widely expected to keep its interest rates unchanged once again in its next meeting later this week. But recent comments by Jerome Powell show that he's leaving the door open for the possibility of a future hike if policymakers see further signs of resilient economic growth. The strong U.S. economic activity, robust labor market and high consumer spending have spurred investor optimism. And the growth momentum appears to be sustained despite the higher interest rates. And this, of course, led to the U.S. dollar being on track to post its biggest quarterly gain this year. But does this have an effect on Asia? Some analysts believe Asian stocks will likely see some pressure in the very near term, given the hawkish outcome of the Fed meeting. So, is the dollar coming back up a bad sign for Asian stocks? Well, joining me today to tell us more is Paul Chu, who is the head of research at Philips Securities Research. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me here on your wonderful show. Thank you for joining me, Paul. Paul, you know, how has the U.S. dollar fared so far this year? I mean, what has been moving the dollar? Against Asian currencies, I think uh, it's probably up about 5%. But of course, you see the, the huge moves or the huge weakness came from uh, Japanese yen was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the RMB was the other that actually pulled down the whole Asian dollar index currency. Okay, okay. Well, then do you see further growth in the U.S. dollar? What's your outlook on the greenback? I think there's still a lot of momentum behind the U.S. dollar. In general, currencies uh, move based on two differentials. I mean, the typical, either the growth differential or it's an interest rate differential. And the U.S. dollar is definitely leading on both fronts. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's also helping the U.S. dollar this time around, it's an all-exporter and, and and with the geopolitics surrounding the Middle East right now, so it also benefits from that safe haven status, mm-hmm. plus the, you know, the beneficiary of uh, higher oil prices, uh, especially if you compare it against the euro, which is not a net oil importer. Okay, okay. So, you know, with the rising U.S. economic activity and dollar, how does this then affect the Asian market? Okay, there is generally a positive correlation directionally. So, I mean, if the U.S. dollar strengthens, Mm -hmm. uh, Asian markets tend to weaken. Uh, Obviously, they they do not move in similar percentages. But the negative part for Asia would be, firstly, uh, portfolio flows. Uh, U.S. on its own, it's already absorbing almost on a run rate, uh, looking at the current kind of diversity. They're, they're absorbing global flows to probably like $800 billion a year mm. to $900 billion a year, roughly you know, depending on the period. If it weakens, then uh, Asia gets hits, number one, uh, portfolio. The liquidity gets sucked up from the region. It, it goes to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And the recent phenomena we see right now is also a rising interest rates. So with the recent spike in rates, it has actually uh, caused emerging countries especially. So we've seen it in Indonesia, in Philippines, especially in Turkey. They all have to raise rates, further tightening the whole financial conditions for them. And, you know, tighter financial conditions is going to be negative for global growth. And the third thing, if I could add, is also, you know, weak currencies is also going to affect uh, the commodities and also drive in uh, important inflation. So, so most companies that are involved in commodities will, will be, they're going to complain because they, they, their customers 
emerging markets, especially you're talking about Bangladesh, you know, Pakistan, even China, and to a certain extent India, the affordability for commodities will shrink and that will of course hurt demand. What are some of the concerns or challenges that the Asian stock market might face with the rising dollar? It affects the attractiveness. Okay. Uh, it will, uh, yeah, it, it affects the, the growth. It doesn't improve on the... No, when you have US at $5, I mean 5% interest rate, so, so you can imagine that every emerging country by default won't be able to compete with a US dollar that's giving you a 5% yield. So that by itself is going to uh, suck in a lot of liquidity. I mean, that's one of the concerns uh, that, that, that we have. And of course, important inflation that we just uh, highlighted earlier and, and softening of you know, consumer demand as currencies weaken and also uh, interest rates tighten. Mm, okay, okay. Then despite those challenges, are there any opportunities? I mean, should investors still consider investing in Asian stocks? Oh, we still do see uh, opportunities. Although I might be a bit, uh, we might be a little negative on consumer, but a low beta way to play consumer, we think it's also in telecommunications. Uh, surprisingly, yeah, it's not the the fastest growing sector, obviously. Mm. Uh, but what has happened in the background for mobile operators, especially, has been uh, over the last maybe three to five years, has been a huge consolidation. So that, that's the, the first factor. The, the second factor is also uh, we're beginning to see pricing strength. So after consolidation, obviously, of all the operators are trying to reprice their services after such brutal competition. And mainly countries like you see this in, in Indonesia, you see this in, uh, in, uh, sorry, in India, where you know, uh, their mobile pricing has improved. Other countries are still lacking behind them because mobile is still a semi-discretionary item because it's mainly prepaid. So as consumer starts improve, uh, consumer spending starts to improve, sentiment starts to improve, then you should, can get that kicker in terms of higher prices, which of course you know, falls straight down to the bottom line. So these are one of the sectors that I mean, uh, a pan-Asian sector that we like. Are there any regional markets investors should consider in particular? I mean, what Asian markets is seeing a great potential of growth despite a rising U.S. dollar? I think some of the strong, uh, stronger countries is obviously uh, India because of the, the strong growth underway there. But uh, as a twin uh, deficit country and being an importer of, uh, of oil, so I think the sentiments have shifted a little bit. Okay. We are actually turning a bit more positive. On, on China. Surprisingly, I know there's a lot of pessimism, yeah. but if you, if you look at some of the consumer data, I mean, most will be surprised to see that uh, auto sales in China for the month of August is a record high, actually, for the month of August itself. Not a rocket monthly high, but uh, it's a high in terms of sales done in August. So for us, it's a reflection that consumers uh, in China are recover- is recovering but obviously not pri- uh, property or in the private sector investments. So this is uh, some of the uh, we think some of the unique, uh, more unique or kind of opportunities that we see in mm. Asia. What about in terms of specific sectors? What sectors should investors consider tapping uh, into? I think we still like banks. Okay. For banks, if you have this view that interest rates will be uh, remain elevated, then uh, obviously banks will be a big beneficiary. Mm. 
And, and even if rates do come down, there are certain offsets for the banking sector. If rates do come down, then their yields will look more attractive, number one. Then uh, we think then that could reinvigorate loans growth. Uh, that could also help their, the earnings trajectory for the banks. And also, of course, fee income. As If you have a more stable uh, interest rate, then uh, wealth management products tend to sell better. And that could also generate a lot more fees for the, for the banks. In, in general, I mean, not for every uh, country, but just a very broad-based uh, view on, on banks. And there are also certain pockets of renewables that are also uh, attractive uh, uh, in, in, in Asia. As uh, What we see is some of, the, some of these shipyards that used to build maybe oil tankers, which is already enjoying a spurt in demand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're getting the additional kicker from renewable and offshore wind farm vessels and so forth. So that's another kind of, uh, I guess, pan-Asian kind of opportunities that we, that we see. So overall then, what is your current global outlook of the financial market, in particular to the Asian market? We think there could be a rotation into Asia, most likely uh, middle of next year. So why we, we say that rotation is that uh, we think the U.S. will slow down faster than, than expectations. Mm. Uh, and because the U.S. economy has virtually been popped up by government spending. If you assume the U.S. GDP is maybe 6 to 7% uh, this year, half of it just comes from the government's $1 trillion uh, deficit spending, mm. which we think is going to collapse quite meaningfully as we get into next year. Uh, there are a few nuances behind it. Um, every government obviously loves to spend more, but there's certain uh, like social spending, security spend, uh, we think is going to come down because of this technical cost of living adjustment. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, we, we also see one of the reasons the deficit has ballooned and also supported economy is that uh, there's this peculiar, we think, two to three hundred billion delay in tax collection out of California because they delayed taxes from uh, April, then they shifted it to October, then they shifted it to November. So that kind of uh, helped the economy. Strangely, I know it's kind of, probably not many people discussed about it, but this actually popped out the deficit and actually helped the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. Where I think the last four months, deficit spending was almost $900 uh, billion alone. So most of it came from the last few months. And we think all this will tend to downshift as we enter next year. And of course, higher interest rates will also start to to pummel the U.S. economy, you know, the, the headlining student repayment debt. So all these things will cascade and kind of weaken the U.S. economy more than expected. I think that's our own view, at least. And that could create rotational opportunity, at least, we think, into uh, Asia. Then what are some investment opportunities that you and your firm recommends for your investors in the current market conditions? We take the view that rates have peaked and if you hold that view, uh, when it, it will uh, come off, we, our own thoughts are maybe on the fourth quarter of mm. next year, we think rates could come down. Uh, if you hold that view, then uh, our preference would be long-duration assets. Mm-hmm. So in the Singapore context, at least long-duration obviously could be bonds, uh, could be also REITs. And anything that, and to us, also banks, uh, they're not uh, long-duration assets, but uh, we, we think the, the dividend yields for some of the banks uh, can actually hold so for us, we are, we are buying into that duration or at least tripping it in because the sentiment is still pretty weak mm. for fixed income. Okay, okay. And before we let you go here, then how can financial houses help you know their investors protect their portfolios during these times of uncertainties? I think the key thing is you know, uh, to get your financial advisor to, to, rec- to have a full suite of products available for you. Mm. And we tend to gravitate 
probably it's not the highest margin product, but for us, we tend to be able to use ETFs. We think that's a very good uh, low-cost offering for most uh, retail investors. And also, right, right now, with a 5% interest rate out there, I mean, it's, going to, it's a huge competitor to equities. So that's why for us, we, in general, we're advising uh, longer duration and shifting more towards uh, bond-like instruments. Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for your time and your insights today. Yeah, yeah thanks so much. Thanks to be here. Thank you. We've been speaking with Paul Chu, who is the head of research at Philips Securities Research. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.